building a business on the cloud is basically making sure that your business is digital first or mobile first, as they would call it sometimes, if you want to focus on mobile applications or web. Basically, making sure that your business is catered to those using the internet and your business is catered towards reaching out to customers properly through digital means. Because in essence, the cloud is like, as I mentioned, the highway or the gateway, right? Yeah. That's where you basically jumpstart or springboard all of your products and services. So in essence, if you're not utilizing the cloud, then you're not able to reach out to customers in the most cost-efficient, secure, and of course, effective way. Hey, welcome to Brand Start, the podcast about starting your own brand and growing your business. I'm your host, Leonard Grape, and in the show, we talk about the entrepreneurial journey. From imagining your first idea, taking the first step, and the challenges, lessons, failures, and successes that entrepreneurs face in building a brand. We started this podcast because we want to help. And if we can inspire even just one of you to pursue your entrepreneurial dream, then all of this is worth it. Hey everybody, it's Leonard Grape and welcome to another episode of the Brand Start Podcast. Joining me in today's conversation is Patrick Zulueta, co-founder and director for growth of Upper.ph. Pat, welcome to the show. Thanks, Leonard. And good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, wherever time zone you guys are in. Yeah, before we get going, Pat, for those who may not know you, can you please introduce yourself and share some interesting information about you? Sure. Hopefully what I'll share is interesting, but I'm Patrick Zoveta. I consider myself one of the pioneers in the fintech and tech space of the country. So I've been in the tech space for roughly 12 years now, and I'm one of those people that uh, was lucky enough to start uh, building fintech since the early 2010s. So from starting the BPI mobile app from scratch together with our team to launching Paymaya, from scratch, and then eventually um, some other tech companies such as Pushcart, which I uh, thankfully was able to recently exit together with my other co-founders, Kashalo, and now I'm one of the co-founders of Apper.ph. Yeah, a lot of interesting things there, especially when you mentioned that you, you happen to be one of the pioneers in terms of the fintech industry in the Philippines. I definitely get into that a little later, but usually one of the first questions that I ask everybody who comes over to the show is, for Pat, how did your brand start? So for Apper, it has actually started in 2019, right before the pandemic, but we really just jump-started our operations and really took things seriously around 2020. So around 2019, I was still employed in Kashalo. My other co-founders were also employed in Paymaya, for example, and we were just talking about uh, the concept of Apper and really the, the promise of what we can bring to the table. But we realized that before we really fully jumpstart Apper, we need to go full-time in this and at the same time really see how it is that we can bring value to uh, the tech companies here in the Philippines. And we realized that there's a huge gap between 
the very knowledgeable in terms of the cloud versus those who have just a short perspective of the cloud. So we said, instead of helping one or two companies in terms of innovation, why not help 100, 200? And maybe through that, we can help the Philippines be more competitive and more progressive in the tech industry and maybe the startup industry as well. So that's the tagline of Apple.ph, innovating with you. Yeah, so that's yeah. why our, our tagline is such. Yeah, which is interesting. Innovations partner for business. Yeah, when you said you you started it really as a part time, is that correct? What, what year was, yeah. was that again? Did you mention 2020, Pat, or 2021? 2019, actually. Okay, okay. We were starting it part time uh, around mid 2019. And 2019, we decided to really go full blast, which is why we eventually went full time. Mm-hmm. First up, how's that conversation look like? Uh, if you were working, you're both you were both working in 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 fintech companies. Where were you working yes. together in the same company with your co-founder? Actually, my fellow co-founders, uh, we met during our days in Paymaya. So uh, Diwa Del Mundo, uh, who actually launched the Paymaya payments and um, well cloud infrastructure from scratch. And uh, Timias Del Mundo, Mercado, uh, who actually is ex Shopee, ex um, BCG, etc. We zoned in and we said, okay, it's time we leave our stable jobs. And it was quite difficult, I would um, imagine, especially for the others um, who are starting families, etc. Right? And mm-hmm. we didn't actually know that the pandemic would be coming in, but we decided now's the best time to be able to really provide impact to the country mm-hmm. which th- that's the reason why i asked that question pat because for for some usually you're working full time for for a company and then you really have that idea that you want to pursue maybe maybe a business idea or or a product idea but usually the challenge is when do you know when it's time to really go full time or go all in is there even like like a criteria that you have to to undergo or study first before deciding uh, in your case when did you decide that, hey, it's actually time to go full-time? Otherwise, it's, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, what was that decision process look like for you, Pat? Actually, that's a very interesting question. That I then, um, I've been asked this multiple times. So my criteria at all times, uh, well, I have three points that I always consider. So the first aspect that I consider is product market fit. So checking if your product really has the market and it fits right into the pain points that you're trying to solve. So if there's a huge problem that you're trying to solve for a huge enough market, you see that your product, your service can really be scalable, then that's the first thing. Second, you want to check on the timing. How is this in terms of your your time in life? Are you willing to take risks during this period in, in your life? I said to myself, I'm so single, I don't have any kids, I don't have a family. Now's the time, oh, back in 2019, uh, I asked myself that. I, I said to myself, will I be able to take this risk now for the next three to five years? And can I take this risk again after this? I said to myself, I think this is the opportune time before I think of anything else. So now's the time to do that. And at the same time, look at the industry climate. I will, I believe that if we made this decision during a pandemic, it might have been more difficult. But it is easier for us because 
we had no idea that uh, COVID was about to happen. Right before COVID, I was taking my last few travels. I traveled to, to Vegas for the AWS convention, where we were able to really see how big the industry is. I traveled to New York and not imagining that this would be the last time for the next two years that I travel. So the third aspect that I think of is purpose. So if it's right alongside my purpose, my purpose for being like beyond myself, is there a purpose greater than myself? And I said, yes, there's a purpose here wherein we'd want to help more companies really progress, grow, innovate versus just my own babies versus my own baby brand. So there are those three things. Yeah, wow. Thank you for sharing, Pat. I think I think really great answer. So number one there, and I love how you started with product market fit, right? Because I think even if you have a really good idea, you have to make sure at least at the onset, you have a base case that the business will work, right? Otherwise, uh, it's probably not going to be worth it. Second is you said your appetite for risk, which I think is also relative to your first answer. Uh, you're right, because in my case also, if I may quickly share, uh, I left my 10-year corporate job in 2020 because I wanted to now start my, my own company. Um, but but during that time, I was about I was already planning to get married. So I, I realized if probably I was already married, this things would have been different, Pat, right? Um, and and yeah, then your, yeah, third, exactly. your, your third answer, which I totally agree, both on a personal and a and as a brand strategist purpose. Uh, because it's it's difficult to become an entrepreneur, and if you don't have that clarity on purpose, it's really going to be a hard time for you. Uh, talk to us more about your company, Pat. You mentioned a little bit about the gap in terms of knowledge on cloud technology and how you want to impact businesses by innovating with them. Uh, what is Apper.ph really? All right. So, Leonard, in, in a nutshell, Apper.ph is a partner of AWS and those businesses that want to maximize AWS then we can basically help them bring out and unlock full potential of using Amazon Web Services and our other partner, Alibaba Cloud. So in essence, the cloud, if I were to explain it in a nutshell, is like the highway for apps and websites. Of course, you build a beautiful uh, website with a great UI or UX, but at the end of the day, if you don't have the right gateway or the right highway, then you can't reach out to the hundreds, thousands, or even millions of customers that you'd want to cater to or the users. So in a sense, that gateway is typically the internet. If you need to use the internet fully and you want to make sure that you use it in a very cost-efficient, secure, and uh, performance-efficient manner, then you really need to make sure that you utilize the cloud properly. So that's what we do. We essentially partner up with brands and say, hey, you're busy with your app development, website enhancements, maybe issue and error handling. And Apper can take away the burden of managing your highway or your gateway on top of AWS and AliCloud, which is typically um, the cloud service provider of these tech brands. Okay. Does your company only work with, with tech brands or, or um, even like traditional companies or traditional brands? Low-hanging fruit definitely would be the digital first or tech brands because in essence, those businesses that utilize the internet first or digital means to reach out to their customers and users, definitely they would need the cloud more. Yeah. But since we are an innovations company, we want to also drive modernization, digital transformation for traditional companies. Some traditional companies go to us and say, oh, hey, 
we're a bank. Uh, we see that we have this legacy application. We want it to be modernized, make it more of the Maya experience, right? Which we built, thankfully, uh, back in the day. Can you help us modernize with your expertise? And the answer is yes. We're able to do that for some businesses as well. Yeah, I, I wanted to, to set that up because there are quite a number of, of businesses right now and even brands that are not exactly non-tech, but more, more leaning towards traditional, right? But there will be other like local banks, for example, or FNB was not yet utilizing the, the cloud kitchen technology or even service-based companies, whatever that is. Uh, but I wanted to, to like sort of provide more context just to help our audience better understand what you do and the opportunities in, in the cloud space. If you're, for example, Pat, to do an audit for, for a brand, uh, how do you assess that it, it's actually fit for them or there's opportunity for them to consider transitioning to a cloud operation or at the minimum, integrate some cloud technology into their operations? That's a great question, Leonard. So what we typically do is what we uh, call an innovations audit or we're able to uh, go in and say, okay, based on where your company is in terms of the three aspects that we look at all the time, so another three aspects to answer. Mm-hmm. So we typically look at people, processes, and technology. So if your culture is ready for the innovation, if it's not, then what can we do to get that done? Processes, you have the right processes in place. Because it's one thing to create an innovation, but to sustain that innovation and integrating this innovation into your day-to-day, your business as usual, that's a different story. And technology is, you have the capacity to handle the technology, the expertise, the skills. Who will maintain it? Who will manage it? Building it is one thing, but keeping it efficient, keeping it secure, making sure that it's not breached at any time. Then we have to look at those three aspects and build what we call an innovations roadmap for them. After mm-hmm. the audit. And there we're able to see through that roadmap. This is the five phase plan, for example. First phase is to see what existing processes, applications, etc., can be modernized. Second is if we can't modernize that, what else we have do we have to build from scratch? And then third would be the actual implementation, turnover, training plan. So that's typically what we do with traditional businesses. Yeah, thank you for that, Pat. Uh, I think you're right that the cloud technology is, is something that's been that's been booming, I think, globally. But I personally, for one, is is not really that adept, right? Be- because I'm not really within the tech space. So my, my next mm-hmm. question is just to provide more context to our to our Filipino audience in particular. What does it really mean to build a business on the cloud? All right. So building a business on the cloud is basically making sure that your business is digital first or mobile first, if you would call it sometimes, if you want to focus on mobile applications or web. Basically, making sure that your business is catered to those using the internet and your business is catered towards reaching out to customers properly through digital means. Because in essence, the cloud is like, as I mentioned, the highway or the gateway, right? That's where you basically jumpstart or springboard all of your products and services. So in essence, if you're not utilizing the cloud, then you're not able to reach out to customers in the most cost-efficient, secure, and of course, effective way. So in essence, building 
your business on the cloud means, okay, is my product, is my app, is my website, etc., compatible with the various cloud providers? If not, then what we do is we typically build a cloud-native application, so you call it, cloud-native in a way that it's built for the cloud. So in a sense, when you think about technology, when you think about tech, you have to think about what they call the interoperability of the various products, various technologies. Because in essence, for example, if you're a company that wants to use your existing application, it might be using a programming language that is outdated. If it's outdated, then how can we recode it? How can we uh, create it from the traditional, what they call monolithic architecture and it's the long lines of code? How can we make it into a more agile, more modernized approach? So we're able to really make sure that it utilizes the cloud properly. So that's typically what we look at. And um, it might take longer for certain businesses, but uh, for some businesses, actually, it's uh, much, much easier to utilize the cloud if their mm -hmm. initial steps in their company are already in uh, using modern language in modern times. Yeah, interesting. Thank you for sharing, Pat. Okay, just just going back a little uh, a little earlier in terms of your journey. 2019, you had an idea. You guys were still working full time, and then towards the tail end of that year, you decided to to go all in for the company. Pat, take us back during the beginnings of your company. Uh, I wanted to ask, what were the early stage challenges that you experienced in in building Apple.ph, and how did you address them? Hey there. We'll pause for a bit because it's Vine O'Clock. If you want to establish meaning and purpose for your brand, you need to answer the question, why? This is an integral exercise to be clear about why you do what you do and what your brand stands for. Understanding your brand's why gives you a compelling reason for yourself and your brand. Now to find your reasons behind your why, you need to answer three different aspects of this question. Number one, the why for yourself. This will serve as your guiding light, providing you with constant inspiration and focus. Number two, the why for your brand. Brands that stand for something bigger, have stories to tell, have deeper connections with its market, have exciting futures, are more likely to be loved by its customers than brands that exist only for the sake of profit. Number three, the why for your audience. At the end of the day, your brand must exist to make the lives of your customers better. You need to make sure that your audience understands why your business matters to them. So, if you want to deepen your understanding of your brand, be sure to ask why why and why to delve deeper into your whys send us a message watch out for our next vinyl clock segment now back to the show sure so the first challenge was really the product market fit we had so many ideas we had so many avenues as to how we would be doing after so in essence we started off doing certain cloud training, we started doing one-off consultations, we thought about, okay, do we develop an application, etc. So we went through the process of really talking 
to various customers, really seeing which of our products would uh, really stick and uh, gaining insights, basically doing research. Um, of course, uh, in the limited time that we had, since as you know, we still had full-time jobs. So it was basically uh, doing it uh, outside of my working hours. So weekends sometimes, um, sometimes doing it at around 4 or 5 p.m., right? Or early morning, right? Yeah. So thankfully, we were able to see that, okay, let's really clamor for this type of um, service, which is basically doing consulting or managed services work. Consulting meaning lending our brains, lending our hands, lending our expertise to do the work for them. And managed service is like our BPO model wherein they basically tell us that we don't want to handle the AWS side of the IT or the AliCloud side of uh, things. Can we give you the keys? Of course, with the... um, what they call guided access. Mm-hmm. We can't really touch anything sensitive. We can't touch the customer data. We can't touch uh, their uh, application code. We can't change anything there. It's just basically making sure it runs on the highway properly. Can you handle it for us? Then we saw that, okay, there's a huge demand for this as well, not just here, but in other countries as well, like North America, Australia, Singapore, etc. So we said, okay, then maybe that's what we should focus on. So I guess the first mm-hmm. challenge was focus. It is always a matter of what should we do first and where should we put in all of our precious stars. Yeah. Correct. And and usually I think that's that's a that's not an easy thing to do. So so very impressive how you you opted to do actual uh, insights research and customer conversation because for some other founders uh, I think usually there's a bias to your idea, right? Uh, you yeah. feel like, yeah, this can work. This can probably scale. Customers would love this. But until you actually have that validation, uh, usually, well, I've read somewhere, usually um, nine out of your 10 ideas might not actually be beneficial for, for your customers. So important to, to do that. That's How right. long were you doing that um, customer insight validation before you got to decide on, on your focal point? Lasted around almost a year, six to eight months and the pandemic actually helped us further because we were right in the slack of um you know pivoting the model and then march 2020 happened and that was in the like the peak of uh, our planning and uh, business operations so the start of it at the very least and we said okay it's not really scalable doing this anymore uh, because of the pandemic so what can we do completely from home without having to bring our workforce to uh, the small office? At the at the time, we had a like eight man office, which we had to let go of eventually. So, how do we make it scalable enough that we can do operations from anywhere in the world? So mm-hmm. that was the biggest question that we had, and thankfully the pandemic helped us. And yeah, right now we're fully digital, fully uh, work from home. And even before the start of the pandemic, we were really doing the work from home <laughs> um, arrangement, which is what, which is funny because when we saw everyone else doing it, we were like, "Oh, okay." No, we're not pala tayo ng konte. Everyone yeah. else would eventually do it, whether they yeah. like it or not. Right? <laughs> And I think right now it's it's really it's really becoming the norm, right? There are like several yeah. multi-million dollar global brands uh, who are actually uh, implementing full work from home uh, operations. It's actually the same case for us. Uh, I'm I'm running 
a company called the Vineyard Brand Consultancy. We're even a service-based company, Pat. It, it's a branding and communications mm-hmm. company. But because mm-hmm. I started also within within the time frame of the pandemic, so I, mm-hmm. I was actually okay. compelled to, to run it uh, virtually, right? Uh, so, yeah. but good for us also. There, there's quite a number of demand in terms of uh, digital marketing, digital PR. Uh, you can mm-hmm. do branding uh, virtually. But uh, what I'm trying to say is just alluding to the fact that you can start something even if uh, you're just from home. I think right now it's even more more beneficial for a lot of brands and companies uh, to to actually consider that. Um, but when you started, how how many were you in the in the company? Back in 2019, it was around a handful, around less than five of us, yeah. co-founders, uh, mostly part-time, and a handful of full-time leads. Very, very slim workforce at the time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that, that also shows another context on, on how you actually start. You, I think in my own experience and in my in my exposure in working with other entrepreneurs, I think you're better off starting small, definitely, right? You don't want to like start with, with so many headcount right away. Uh, in terms of customer base, uh, when, when you started, uh, I'm not sure if it's already, uh, I think, more properly contextualized after the, the pandemic hit. Uh, w- what were your starting number of customers, Pat? Back then, we had around two or three, less than a handful back in 2019, 2020. And thankfully, we were able to scale and uh, grow, I think, for headcount. Uh, it grew five times. Wow, <laughs> that, that's, actually my, yeah. that, that's actually my next question, Pat, because you're, you're the director for growth of your company. And obviously, growth and scale is are, are two of the main, main goals of, of any, probably of any business owners, right? And founders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm, cu- I'm curious, what, what were your growth metrics? Uh, and then you were already about to say this, but where is your company at right now in terms of revenue and organizational growth? Sure. Our metrics are always, uh, as always, the, the customer acquisition cost. So always keeping our operations lean as well as our uh, growth costs or OPEX lean. So we're always looking at uh, how many customers we could acquire and, of course, retain. Because in essence, we're a service-based business. So we don't have to work with the former millions of metrics that I used to look at uh, when I was with the fintech scene. But now it's more of how many customers do we really work with, wherein we're making sure that we're bringing the right service to the table and bringing the right use cases and studies in. So um, to answer your question with regards to scale, so in terms of headcount, we grew 5x. So we have almost 30 uh, manpower, including our uh, part-time headcount. So full-time around at least 20. And our customer base grew uh, 10x as well. So we had two or three at the time. We have over 30 customers uh, now, thankfully. It's a mixture of uh, startups as well as um, enterprises and now some government uh, Customers also. Yeah, and interesting when you mentioned, I actually didn't realize it immediately that you're you're more of a service-based company. I, I know you're servicing through the cloud, but uh, the way I got it is you also incorporate a lot of consultancy there uh, and, and personal servicing to like retainership to your clients. But is that correct? 
agree, Leonard. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's in- spot on. <laughs> interesting. And congratulations, first off, of course, uh, with, with the growth that you're seeing. Um, thank you, thank in, you. in terms of the, the best practices, uh, what, what can you say about that? Best practices in terms of growing or scaling a company? Well, the first thing that I look at is uh, what are your available resources, right? So um, your marketing money, your marketing spend, uh, how many customer success or sales managers are you willing to take on? And at the same time, trying to focus on the smallest possible subset, sub-segment of a market that you could um, uh, basically maximize on. So uh, one of my favorite books with regards to that is Zero to One, which I'm sure a lot of our, our podcast listeners have um, read. So Zero to One, Peter said in the book, you'd want to maximize on the smallest possible market that you would dominate and from there you could continue scaling out so we said that okay what's the smallest sub segment that we could focus on and we decided to focus on the startup and fintech space which is why we started partnering up with either paymayor or gcash at the time and uh ironically it's the gcash side that went to us <laughs> um, but, so, but uh, we're still friends, of course, with the, yeah. the Maya side of the fence. But the GCash team went to us first, which locked us in. And then we, we said, okay, what other fintech companies can we work with? Uh, so we helped uh, with the, the launch of Advanced Tech Lending, NextPay. We helped them launch from scratch. Um, on the branding and marketing side, actually, we could have done partnerships with uh, the Vineyard as well to see how we could help them modernize. Because in essence, when we come in, when we talk to these brands, we don't just think about the tech side. We think about the entire growth yeah. aspect of their business. So how else could you scale? And digital marketing always comes to mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really great answer. Really great answer, Pat. Uh, and, and you're correct. In, in fact, we'd love to, of course, work with, with Apri.ph because uh, the way also we're seeing it, the way I'm seeing it in terms of the startup scene that you mentioned, uh, when we started the Vineyard Rocho, actually, we're, I, think, I think we made that same mistake that we didn't have that clarity of focus, right? Um, but in my case, I'd rather just go out there and start doing things already uh, rather than just be stuck and then think about all of the planning things. Um, but we ended up really specializing with branding and communications. Uh, right now, though, we still work with quite a number of medium enterprises and a couple of corporations. Um, but we our, our, our path really is to, to work with startups as well. So mainly about founders and entrepreneurs, uh, only because we feel that there's, there's a lot of impact that we can hopefully contribute. And you're right, Pat. Uh, I think the startup right now is, is booming. But the key also is that branding must be a component also of your growth plan. Uh, because there can be several ideas right now in the market and some are actually quite similar uh, in terms of the space they're in, in terms of the product offering that they have, even in terms of the customer base that they're trying to serve. Where we come in usually is to, to really get down into the core of, of the brand um, because you, there has to be like something that's that's differentiable for, for your brand, right? Uh, which right. now leads me also to, to my um, next question. In terms of branding uh, for Apper, first up, I'm very curious to ask, what, what is the rationale behind the name, Pat? <laughs> so it's actually um, quite straightforward. So in essence, apps are abundant nowadays and for us to be able to help these, these apps, then we added the, the ER after. So basically how to basically up these apps 
Thus, mm-hmm. after. <laughs> so, well, that's yeah, I think that, yeah, and I think it makes sense. Huh? Now that you're mentioning, it's a sort of like like a boxer, right? Uh, like yeah. a swimmer, but but you're the upper. So, meaning, yeah, you're right. the one who's really specializing with apps, particularly on the cloud technology. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm always someone who's, who's interested to learn uh, stories behind the, behind the name. Yours Any is thoughts? a much, much <laughs> a sexier story so in the vineyard. <laughs> Because of your last name, right? So yeah, thanks for that, and yeah, and very very <laughs> smart. You notice that actually that's the that's the real score behind the name. When when people ask me now, Pat, why did you call yourselves the Vineyard? Uh, my press release right now, of course, is I I related to to branding, right? Uh, because it's you really like a, like branding principles. It, you have to have a strong foundation. So it's like the Vineyard. You need to have a good. Uh, and, and very fruitful soil and then you have to nurture it because you'll have to grow it that's the mm. only time you get to harness the, the results but the real score there is when I started my company there's already a potential client I didn't have any name at hand and then I just told my brother that time can you help me out with the logo and then just put the vineyard because that's our surname anyway so that's the <laughs> that's a real score there uh, Pat um, but in terms shout of shout, other- shout. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for that. Uh, oh, but what are your other thoughts in terms of the, the role branding plays for, for the success of a company? Uh, because I know you've worked with many other startups as well. Uh, what are your thoughts there, Pat? Hi, thank you for listening to Brand Start. We're pausing a bit for a quick message. Are you thinking of starting your own business? Do you have an idea for your brand? Or are you someone who needs help in growing your business? If yes, then you're in need of a branding and communications company to support and help you with your journey. The Vineyard Brand Consultancy can provide you with personal support from its team of brand strategists, communicators, and designers. They will help you develop a brand and communication strategy, create your brand identity and design, and ensure that your business resonates with your audience through effective brand communications plan. If this is something that you need, please head on to www.thevineyardbc.com forward slash free brand call to start. Again, that's www.thevineyardbc.com forward slash free brand call. Now back to the conversation. Sure. Actually, I come from a unique niche wherein I've been working to count now. I've been... Uh, in my professional scene already working for 15 years and during the 15 years I've only been working with tech brands or in other words IT brands all the time so from the early days of Canon to a retail brand called Cyberzone and now um, startups such as Paymaya, Pushcart, Apper. So the role of branding all the time is Rarely nowadays would you have a unique concept that worldwide or at least in your country, no one else has done. It's all a matter of how you position yourself properly, which branding comes to play. And of course, building the right, not just awareness and a position model, interest consideration model, but making sure that you build the right reputation for your brand. That's what branding and communications has to do properly. In essence, Zoning in on the wow factor, zoning in on the sexiest aspect of your product, service, or business, making sure that you're able to highlight that to the right audience, which is what digital marketing and performance can do, making sure mm-hmm. that you're very hyper-targeted or hyper-local, making sure you're able to cater to the right audience at the right time when you're ready for it, making sure you bring all of those pieces together, all of those components, 
putting that masterpiece together and uh, delivering the right growth strategy and brand strategy. That's what branding and communications is capable of doing for a brand. Differentiation, zoning in on your USP and making sure you cater to the right audience right at the same time. Yeah, th- thanks for that answer, Pat. Uh, I know I could ask a lot more and you, you, you definitely have so many more insights about uh, cloud and about startups, but uh, I'd like now to shift our conversation and change gears to talk more about your personal uh, entrepreneurial career. Uh, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm curious, Pat, what's your background in college? <laughs> so I actually studied in DLSU and I actually took up communication. So... Nowhere close to IT, yeah. nowhere close to tech. Everyone <laughs> is thinking, oh, you probably had a marketing course, Pat, since I've been doing marketing since um, I graduated. Or you probably an IT background, Pat, no IT car, no? And I'm like, no, guys, I'm from the College of Liberal Arts. And I studied <laughs> communication. So it's a matter of really studying. And I didn't have any like formal training on IT or uh, digital marketing. I, I just took a certified digital marketing course back in 2012, 2013. It's probably outdated by now. I probably have to take it again. But it's just a matter of just A-B testing, really seeing what works and self-learning as well. I had to self-learn how to do the cloud, explain it the way I did. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot of trial and error and a lot of re- personal um, time spent on reading. So that's typically how I started myself. Yeah, that's interesting. And and what led you to be working with with several startups? You, you mentioned quite a few, like Paymaya, Pushcart, uh, Kashalo. Uh, how did you end up working in, in that space? All right. This is where I say uh, preparation meets opportunity, aka luck. That's where Correct. I position myself in a way that, okay, I want to try my hand in banking. That's why I joined BPI and, well, coincidentally, we launched the first mobile app which hit a million users back in 2012. At the time, 2012, it's unheard of to have a million users in your first year of operations. Nowadays, it's like four months, five months, six months. You can easily do it. You just have to throw money at it, right? Set up mm-hmm. proper product with a proper performance marketing component. But back in the day, it was unheard of. So when I did that, I thought of either continuing on my banking career. So I received offers to be the, like the VP for innovation for X brand, uh, X bank. But then uh, I got a call from Paymaya at the time. Uh, actually, it wasn't called Paymaya yet. It was still smart e-money. And they said, we're launching an app and we want to leverage on your experience in BPI to launch uh, the smart PLDT groups application. And then when I came in, we eventually uh, rebranded it as such and it became Paymaya. And we, we launched it and it's now the Maya Bank that it is today. So I was actually lucky to have made the right decision to shift towards the fintech space. And coincidentally, it was one of the top startups at the time. And I said, why not try my hand at building my own startup? So Pushcart, my first e-commerce brand, Kashalo. Uh, I was approached by um, the Gokong Ways and some co-founders uh, from um, across the globe to start a digital lending platform here in the Philippines. So that's my last corporate stint. I was the um, employee number one at Kashalo, and I saw how it was to 
um, mix the ideas of billionaires with the proper local context of an app. So, um, fast forward to today, I said after Kashala, that will be my last run. I want to see how I can just build my own tech companies with the right impact and purpose. What so made you decide though? Um, it seemed to me that, you, of course, you have a very flourishing career. You started also in back in the corporate uh, setting, uh, but you also had a chance to be sort of like uh, what others would now call entrepreneur, right? Uh, where where you mm-hmm. work as an employee, but you function more as an entrepreneur because it's it's in within a startup a company. Uh, what made you actually decide to really just go all in and be full, become a full time entrepreneur, Pat? All right. So where most people have a more difficult uh, decision to make in terms of jumping to their entrepreneurial careers. I thankfully came from a family of bankers. And because of it, I came from a family of bankers, uh, not entrepreneurs, by the way, I'm one of the very few entrepreneurs in my family. I was taught at a very young age, in my early 20s, to invest my um, savings and invest um, my income wisely. So in my early 20s, I already started um, investing in uh, vols, uh, UITF, stocks, etc., which helped make sure that when I hit my late 20s, which is when I already started my entrepreneurial career, I said, even if I don't earn in my first few years as an entrepreneur, because of course it's a startup, start things lean and you pay yourself last, right? I had a fallback all the time. I always had my investments mm-hmm. and I always had dividends to look at. So it, it was an easier day for me in terms of at least the financial aspect. The second aspect was in terms of purpose. I felt that in my uh, mid-20s, when I launched uh, the Paymaya's pushcart to the world, I said, it's time for me to help more businesses flourish with my expertise and my knowledge and my know-how versus just a few or a handful, which is why I said, okay, now's the right time because I had the right opportunities to play with Apper or pushcart. I had the right um, finances as well to be able mm-hmm. to fund the startups and fund the, at least a comfortable lifestyle. And at the same time, there's an opportunity for me to help a huge uh, industry, which is the tech and startup community through the skill to know how to do that. So that's what made the decision much, much easier for me. Yeah, good for you, Pat. And, and very inspiring also at that. But you, you had a, I think you're in a, privileged possession in the sense that you, you got a chance to work in now really very successful startups uh, with, with a few brands uh, that are very well known right now. I wanted to ask you, what have you seen as critical mistakes in, in those different brands and what, are, what could possibly be the key learnings that you can share with our audience? Sure. Uh, I agree with you, Leonard. Uh, I've been privileged, uh, uh, quite lucky at some point in time to I've made the right decisions at the right time. I didn't know that, uh, admittedly, people might think that I foresaw the fintech scene coming. I didn't see it back in 2014, 2015, 2013. I didn't. I was lucky to have chosen um, as the next step in my um, career. And, well, to zone in on the um, learnings, I guess, um, mm. that we had in Paymaya. I guess it was a matter of trying to reach out to a wider audience or wider market at the onset, trying to throw too many darts 
which didn't stick, um, burning a huge amount of cash flow and uh, marketing money, I would say. I wouldn't say the amount anymore, but um, it was always a matter of trying too many things at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that I would tell um, uh, those in branding and communications nowadays, uh, those in brand strategy, digital marketing. It's not a matter of A-B testing too many things at the same time. Besides just focusing on a key niche market that you'd want to uh, harness and uh, really uh, dominate, I guess, at the onset, you also have to make sure that your growth hacking tactics are as isolated as possible or as targeted as possible. Uh, case in point, uh, instead of you uh, doing X number of webinars, X number of um, content, uh, cross-linking, etc., trying to see with your resources, what is it that you believe can bring out the right number of results for the audience that you isolated? Then you'd want to start with that first to make sure you maximize your marketing budget. In essence, your uh, ANP, as you used to call it um, back in the day, I think that's an outdated term. Right? Add in so promo, right? ANP is add in uh, promo. Advertising uh, and promotions budget, right? <laughs> yeah. Your ANP budget, right? So, um, you want to maximize your growth budget, your OPEX, as best as you can with the with the premise that, yes, it's finite, making sure that you're able to uh, drive the best customer acquisition cost or TAC, as you would call it, mm-hmm. so you can reach out to the right customers and the right users in the most optimal way. I think that's the best advice I can give uh, in a short span of time. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for that. Uh, thanks for that answer, Pat. And I want to allude to that in terms of really finding your, your focus right at the beginning because when we've worked with a lot of some, some startup founders as well, Pat, usually we'd like to come in end-to-end, meaning we, we help the, the team with the brand strategy uh, before we can even come up with like uh, the brand visual identity or the logo or your brand identity guidelines, all the other creatives. Uh, and a major component that we do there is what I call our brand clarity framework and workshop. Uh, because you're right, uh, usually when founders... Of course, at the beginning, right? You'll have so many ideas. You want to do this, you want to do that. You want to serve the segment of the market. And what we do is, is to collaborate with startup founders and challenge that idea. Because on a brand strategist perspective, as you also mentioned, in my case, my main concern is how can I explain your brand in one sentence, right? So what's your one statement USP or unique selling proposition? If you can't get to identify that, it's really going to be a challenge to, to grow, uh, even if you have like a really, really very viable business idea. So I appreciate that answer, Pat. A couple more questions before I go to the final segment of the show. Uh, the, the next question that I wanted you to talk about is pushcart.ph. Uh, you, you mentioned that you you started this. This is one. Of, I think you, this was your first e-commerce brand. Uh, you, you brought in some some co-founders, but you ended up with an exit. Uh, can, yes. can you please share with us the gist of that story? First is how did you come up with that idea? Uh, what was your your growth uh, trajectory there for how long? And how did you end up selling the company? Okay, there are actually a lot of learnings from Pushcart. I'd say uh, now that we've succeeded with. Uh, an exit, not the exit that we planned for, but at, at the very least, still an exit. We were in our much younger days. So I was um, my uh, mid-20s and my co-founders are actually in their early 20s at the time. We said that there's a 
market uh, for those uh, residential areas as well as businesses that would need their groceries catered to them, which is why uh, the brand name is Pushcart. And we try to do too many things at the same time with a finite amount of resources. So uh, back then we had um, an investment of around 15 million pesos for our, our uh, runway. Thankfully, we were able to get an angel investor that helped us through uh, a participation in a, in a game show called The Final Pitch. So we're able to get uh, an investment. And ironically, that's where we faltered in terms of our first growth plans. We tried to uh, partner up with X number of uh, restaurants, for example. We tried to cater to them where in fact it was quite difficult to do that. And we tried to cater to other um, offices, etc., which would, which had us stretching ourselves even further. And eventually we decided, okay, you know what? Let's just cater to the end users, to the residential areas, to the condominiums, to the end users who don't really have the time to do the groceries. We ended up focusing on that after so many failed attempts to try to widen the market. So um, it was a painstaking yet a very um, great learning experience. And zoning in, we were able to partner up with other brands. And essentially, um, we were close to exiting already actually back in 2019. But then um, one of our competitors fell out and our investor got spooked. So we already got actually um, a first tranche of the investment. But they said, oh, maybe the the online grocery market is not as... um, scalable or not as profitable as we um, thought. That's what the investors said at the time because uh, honestly closed down and which actually dragged down the profitability of all of the other online grocery businesses. But then zoning into 2020 when the pandemic finally happened, online groceries became a must. It became a need. Okay. And it was just a matter of right place, right time for us. We're in the business grew, um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, at least 20x in terms of revenue, wow, customer wow. account, partnerships, everything. So it was just a matter of, okay, it was just too early in the game. And we were caught up in, uh, unfortunately, a fallout of a competitor. Uh, we thought that the fallout of the competitor would actually help us, but it actually did us more um, harm than good. And thankfully, there's a US-based company that uh, was actually listed in the NASDAQ, uh, which saw us and said, okay, it's time to expand. And would you want to talk about an acquisition? And that's wow. um, the PR article that was uh, re- released just this year. So that's the backstory. But people see that there's an exit. People see it's glamorous. It's a um, um, US uh, listed company, publicly traded, etc. But they don't see the grind. They don't see all of the, yeah, uh, the mishaps. The uh, founders and I actually, well, thankfully I wasn't really involved in it, but uh, there are lots of really difficult conversations that had to happen because when, in essence, you start off with a certain runway and you see it slowly getting depleted. It becomes challenging and that's where you really have to zone in and really see what is our true north as a business. Yeah, no, thank you so much for sharing, Pat, and congratulations. That's that's really very empowering and, and, and very inspiring. Uh, if for our listeners, I'm I'm pretty sure they'll get a lot of different layers of nuggets of wisdom there. Uh, was the acquisition 
uh, amount publicly available? Is that uh, an info that you're comfortable to share? <laughs> maybe let me put it this. Unfortunately, me... <laughs> it's an NBA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe just if, let me just put it this way. Like, uh, how many X in return in terms of your initial investments? Uh, is that something uh, that you can share? Sure, sure. It's at least three X, which is not bad considering we at the time thought that uh, it would have been bigger if we had the 2019 investor continue on with us. But um, yeah, I think 3X is not bad considering uh, the fact that uh, it was a more challenging period and it's during yeah. the pandemic. And right? that was within <laughs> how, how long of a time frame again, Pat? Wow. Uh, we started Pushcart back in 2016 and okay. it formally closed around 2021. So around About five, five. Years. Yeah, 300%. Yeah, I think 300% return in five years. Definitely not bad at all, Pat. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. Uh, my, my final question is, uh, how, how would you define success? Wow. Miss Universe questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Success for me as defined by you really finding your true fulfillment and purpose and essentially being able to feel fulfilled completely in that sense. You're able to see that you've fully grown as a person, you've found what you're really passionate in and making sure that you bring the right impact and support to the people that you want to really help. That's uh, why your purpose lies in that. So it's a mixture of receiving your or achieving your fulfillment and purpose at the same time. That's success for you. Yeah, thank you so much for that answer, Pat. You've been very generous in sharing your stories and insights. This has really been an enjoyable and insightful conversation. But, uh, I'd like now to go to uh, our final um, segment of the show, which is something that I call the finish line. So, so right. ba- basically, I'll be asking you five questions, which I want you to answer as quick or as concise as possible. You good? Okay. Okay, let's do <laughs> this, Pat. Uh, first question right. is, characteristic that an entrepreneur must have to succeed? Great. Second, book that you want to recommend for entrepreneurs to read? Zero to one. By Peter Thiel, right? A co-founder of PayPal. Okay. Third is, name an entrepreneur, whether local or international, that you look up to. Elon Musk. Interesting. Fourth is, what's Patrick's go-to distressor? The gym. (laughs) Oh, good for you. (laughs) Lastly is, why do you think someone should start his or her own brand? Well, in essence, you want to start your own brand to really achieve your full level of fulfillment. I think if you're just supporting uh, another brand, it might be fulfilling, but starting your own, learning from it, failing forward, and achieving the success that you wanted to achieve or your targets, objectives, OKRs, that's really the most fulfilling. Yeah, that's that's really a powerful answer. Thank you so much again, Pat. But before we end the episode, can you please share with us where is the best place for people to learn about Upper.ph and even your personal platforms, Pat? Sure. So feel free to visit Upper.ph to learn more about how we can collaborate together and, of course, innovate together. And uh, if you'd like to also follow me on LinkedIn, so you can just search for me, Pat Bisoweda. 
And um, this is a very insightful session. Thank you to Leonard and the Vineyard for inviting me today. And uh, hopefully I see more of your brand store. Thank you so much. It's our pleasure, Pat. Once again, I wish you all the best and may God bless you. Thanks, Leonard. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to Brand Start and for spending time to learn through this podcast. If you need some more free resources, why don't you get a free copy of my book titled Five Things Your Brand Must Have to Be Successful or read insightful blogs over at www.thevineyardbc.com. Brand Starts produced by our company, The Vineyard Brand Consultancy, a branding and communications agency that help entrepreneurs build their brands and tell their stories. Before I say goodbye, I hope you never stop chasing your dreams. And until then, this is Leonard Grape reminding you to always dare to dream big.